BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs in a true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, a man accused of murdering his wife escapes custody and flees to Ireland. After being captured years later, he escapes again. We're talking about the podcast Runaway Joe from RTE. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of... These are their stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Runaway, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hi, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon deep dive book club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hi, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. So, Laura, mm-hmm. a listener has a bone to pick with you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Last week's Cat of the Week. Oh, I know. I messed up. <laughs> no, you didn't. She's, like, very funny. I think it's very funny. Kevin, remember last week's Cat of the Week? Yes. When it was a cat that was alive, but then there were two dead cats, too. We gave yes. Laura yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I have a different correction on the Cat of the Week, oh, then. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Oh. What's this gripe? No, 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 no. I mean, okay. So, a listener... Laura Bricker, last week you had a cat that mm-hmm. was alive and 15. And then you reminded us of this listener's two dead cats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this listener sent me a note today and said, I just want to let you know, I only sent Laura my one living cat. I didn't. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, then Laura ruined it. I did. I was trying to be nostalgic. That's I know. all. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, kind of unfortunate. Yeah, he is very. So I actually have a cat of the week correction from another recent cat of the week. Really? Um, Mrs. Pussy Bottoms or whatever it was, the cat that was like a therapy cat. Pussy Riot. Miss Pussy Riot. Um, I referenced Pussy Riot as helping people that had body dysmorphia, but it was actually body dysphoria. Oh, okay. And those are two very different things. Yes, they are. They are. Um, dysmorphia is when you're unhappy with like your body and how it looks, and dysphoria is more relating to gender. Right. So. Ah. right. I don't know why we didn't catch that in real time. So that's, I not, didn't that's not only I, on you, Laura. <laughs> well, I, it was, and it's like, honestly, I look back, I was like, did I misread that? But um, anyway, so small correction to the last cat of the week. Well, guys, guys, we got to tighten up this cat of the I week know. shit. We can't, no kidding. We can't Maybe. be sloppy like this. I know. This is bad journalism. I, uh, I got to do better research. 
I know, I know. This on the heels of my OPP gaffe, when I said I, I didn't trust people who couldn't sit with their back to the door at restaurants, and then I found out people have really valid reasons for doing that and had to apologize. Man, so much stuff going on right now. Were they like Wild West sheriffs? No, people who have PTSD very often oh. can't do that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Right. And then, I, and then, and then, um, and then of course, the first person who pointed it out to me was very kind about it. It was like, no, but. We're also freaks, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So it was very, very lovely. But you learn something new every day, right? Absolutely. That's right. I still don't understand people who do back-end parking all the time, though. I'm just going to say it. Unless they're cops, firefighters, or former military. I don't understand. How is that easier? Got to speed away. Well, I like to drive through. So that's what I like to do if I'm in the parking lot where I can just pull through so then I'm ready to make it. You can't getaway. put groceries in your car if you drive through. I don't understand. Don't I can. I- well, I just don't like it because people in the grocery store are always walking behind you. And even though I have a backup camera and I look, I'm like convinced I'm going to run some old lady over someday. So I like to pull through. So wait, I'm sorry. I know, Kevin, you hate it when I do this. No. But so you have to walk with your grocery bags between two cars to put the groceries in the trunk of your car? I just, so I'm a frequent grocery shopper. I don't do like a big grocery trip. So I usually have like one bag and I just stick it on the front seat. Okay, great. I understand now. Yeah. I totally get mm-hmm. it. So that totally wouldn't work for my frequent trips to home goods when I buy giant things. So I'm just saying. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. All clear now. So Kevin, this is obviously Thursday's program. Yes, it is. What's coming up on Monday's edition of Crime Writers On? On Monday, we're going to be talking about the uh, season four of HBO's True Detective, Night Country. Wow. Also known as, according to Reverend Heidi, Dead Alaskans. <laughs> <laughs> and other international types. Mm. Yes. And ghosts. It's known in, on my Twitter timeline as sex you don't want to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that as well, Rebecca. <laughs> All right. Dirty Alaskan sex. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the Alaskans. That's not the sex people don't want to see. what else do you have to do when it's dark all the time like that? I mean, come on. Yeah. You're in the mood all the time. It's yeah. like... It's like 11 a.m. It's like, oh, baby. It's dark. It must be sex time. I know we'll talk about this, but one of my favorite things that I love about the show is when it's pitch black and they're like, so what do you want for breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> it's 2.30. We want a patty melt? And I'm like, it's 2.30. It's pitch black out. Mm. All right. So, Kevin, I think it's time to talk about what we're talking about. A podcast from your homeland. Should we get to it? Yes. All right. Let's get to it. And drop that first clip. Leading off. He's obviously a very cool, calculating psycho. It's incredible to think that we were fooled so much. Yeah, he fooled us all. In 1985, Irish residents were stunned to learn the man they knew as country gentleman, Michael O'Shea, was actually Joseph Maloney, a fugitive from America, accused of poisoning his wife 20 years earlier. He had fled to Ireland after escaping custody in New York. He was at the dance. Lance saw him by the exit door of the hallway in the ward. It was about 7.50 p.m. He turned away and looked back. He didn't see him. Though a court ordered he be sent back to the U.S., a legal glitch with his extradition allowed Maloney to flee with his second wife. Decades later, the accused murderer remains on the run, frustrating authorities on two continents. He's a conning, conning, conning man, but he's an intelligent man. If he's dead, 
this thing will not die with them. From RTE Documentary on One comes the podcast, Runaway Joe. It looks at one of the FBI's oldest cold cases. Host Pavel Barter interviews friends of Maloney's murdered wife, American authorities hunting him, and Irish residents who knew him for years as Mick O'Shea. Can investigators find the elusive fugitive and bring him to justice nearly 60 years after the alleged crime? Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from the first six episodes of Runaway Joe. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So Toby, Lara always says it, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to say it about this podcast. What are you thinking about the timing of the release of this podcast, Toby? Uh, Unless it was made in like 1968, I don't see any reason like... I don't get it. Are you saying why now, Toby Ball? I'm saying why, why now, now, and I would have said why now 10 years ago, and I would have <laughs> said why now 20 years ago, and I probably said would have said why now 30 years ago, 40 years ago, maybe, seemed right, 50 years ago, definitely, 60 years ago was probably the right <laughs> Podcasting time. Podcasting was huge 60 years ago. So, Laura, you, you have a similar opinion, it sounds like? Yeah, I, I just feel like the stakes are so low. I mean, this guy's what, like 90? Like- <laughs> Why do we? He's eighty-eight, Laura. He's oh. got two more years. <laughs> There's two more terms as president of the United States ahead of him. What are you oh talking my God. about? <laughs> it's just so old. I'm like, what's the point? Like, do you really think you're going to find this guy now? Does anyone? He doesn't seem to have killed anybody else in the meantime, right? No, but he's had some wild adventures. Yeah, has he? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> he was in a movie, wasn't he? <laughs> Are they really that wild? <laughs> I don't know. Do we- <laughs> I will say there is one thing about this podcast, which it does. It does give it does. you instructions on how to murder your wife, like in a pretty effective way. I was shocked by that. Why, Laura? It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> the method of poisoning the wood alcohol and how they lay out this description of like, and we mix the wood alcohol and like, like a Manhattan and you won't even taste it in there. And then boom, that's the end of it. Now, so Kevin, like Toby's, your first note also reminds me of something that Laura Bricker would typically say about a podcast. And it has to do with the style of the show. Yeah, I mean, I like the way the story's told. It's kind of measured, but also thorough. I mean, there's something I dare say is seems soothing to me. Laura likes to talk about that sometimes. <laughs> the soundscape and the narration seem very smooth. And I like the way that Pavel is, you know, talking with these people, doing these interviews. You know, it's not breathless. It's not like high strung and high energy, but I, it's very interesting to me. I think the whole tale about his backstory as Joe and then his life as uh, Mick, you know, it just it's so unusual. Uh, I'm drawn in by it, but I think I might be alone in that. So you did find Maloney's story to be interesting. Yeah, let's say, I mean, let's break it up and talk about like his life in America leading up to the, the murder and his, you know, his, his childhood friend he had all sorts of like really interesting anecdotes about him. I never, I never knew him to go wild with rage and that sort of thing. Did he have a nickname? There were some that called him Crazy Joe. I believe I was one of them once in a while. <laughs> And his eventual marriage to June. Also, I, I thought that they put this together pretty well. I mean, it's hard finding somebody to comment on a, a crime from 20 years ago. I mean, from find somebody from 60 years ago is pretty extraordinary, I, I think. 
But again, the way that he committed the crime and then the way he escaped, that alone I thought was pretty cinematic. Yeah. I like that. And then the fact that like you can somehow like stow away on a ship, grab a birth certificate at some unsuspecting town hall and then show up and saying like, hey, I'm new to Ireland. I'm interested in explosives. And then eventually you end up having a manor house and people working for you uh, and like special horses that you like. That is just incredible to me how that happened. Yeah. Especially when a guy shows up in 1970s Ireland and says, I'm interested in explosives and nobody thinks he's in the IRA. Hmm. Well, apparently people did think he was in the IRA, which is why like they were interested in like following him around on film sets, aside from the fact that they knew he was a fugitive, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah, that. yeah. No, I agree with Kevin. I mean, it was just fascinating the way that like he has this this land that's like in the way of where like a shopping center is going to be built. It reminds me of like when our Hannaford was built in Exeter, there was this guy that had the little like auto clinic and he refused to move. He was like, they must give me one million dollars. And like Hannaford's got built and there was this teeny tiny little garage in the parking lot because they just built around him. (laughs) So in this case, they give him the money and this garage that he has is literally in the way of this. And that's how he is able to purchase this large country estate. And holy shit, I went on their website and looked at pictures of it. It was nice. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like... It's not a janky country estate. It's a fancy... Yeah, it was like a Downton Abbey sort of thing going on. I was like, ooh. Um, But it was crazy. You're like, here's this guy who just manages to just keep weaseling his way into things. When he does get caught, he just moves on to the next thing. Well, it just feels like he just lucked out, right? I mean, that stuff happens all the time. Mm. All, All the, the time. time, Toby. That's why I'm living in a manor house. <laughs> but but it is. But it's like if you happen to have a piece of property that somebody really needs to finish this huge thing, like you just talked about it happened in your town. I mean, it happens all the time. Like he totally lucked out, got all this money, and that kind of led to everything else. But I guess I just find it crazy that he was able to actually acquire property. Me too. He, well, that is when the one he thing. like takes off with nothing in a ship and yeah. like recreates himself. And then he's like working on the waterfront and all this, like, and now he's like a property owner. He's like, you Kate know? Winslet I, in Titanic, like completely changed who he was and ended up being fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see Titanic, so I can't comment. Of, of course. Oh, Jesus, Jesus Christ. I'm stunned. The one movie that literally everyone has seen. Uh, suffering Christ on the cross. Desire. <sighs> Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should change the topic and talk about that. So, Toby, Kevin described Pavel's style as being not breathless. There is one breathless moment, Kevin. I just want to point it out to you. Yeah. The podcast, I think, could have used more of this. Uh, I think it's the end of episode four in the coming up. In our next episode. Tim, you won't believe this. I've just been speaking to one of Joe Maloney's children. But that's not actually in the episode. <laughs> like, that's just in the coming up. Very strange. Anyway, so Toby, this is a very measured, straight, journalistic podcast. I would think you would appreciate that kind of measured, straight, journalistic, not flashy podcast. That's your style of storytelling. Yeah, like, that's not the issue here. Like, I think it's good journalism and I like the host and would love to hear them do a program about something that's interesting. <laughs> Is it like a run of the mill story? No, but to me, it just wasn't 
that outlandish at any time. It doesn't seem like it's really going to go anywhere. Even if it succeeds beyond anybody's wildest dreams and they actually find this 88-year-old guy living some. I mean, what are they going to do? Like, I accuse you of something that happened 60 years ago, and you're going to have to... I, I don't understand what the what the end game is, and I don't understand how this story percolated up from like the mass of stories that are out there as something they felt like they had to make and, and sort of have it be like, we want, you know, get in touch with us with your tips. Or if you know anything about this, it's like, why? Like, I don't understand at this date, like why this is a big deal. So anyway, I I think I put in a note somewhere where I, I don't think I can remember like this much good journalism and good writing and, and good hosting and stuff has been kind of applied to a story that, you know, I mean, it's okay, I guess, but it just seems like it's such a small story and not small in a way that's interesting, just small in a way that, you know, a couple of things happen over the course of 60 odd years. And then you're just talking about whether he met Pierce Brosnan. Or, oh, you weren't, you weren't impressed with that. He's one of I- Ireland's biggest celebrities, Toby. Yeah, but I'm sure he's met tons of people. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't meet Bono. He's, he's like he's a super laid back guy. He's like the kind of guy who just you know. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I do think the style, like that Kevin was talking about, like the thorough style and the, the storytelling. For me, it did kind of lose me because I just was like, it just kind of starts to blend together after a while because there wasn't like a structure of like beginning, middle, and end where it was just like this ongoing thing, and they're like. And we're recording this in live time. And if you have information, call it, like, reach out. And so I felt like there was sort of a bit of a, a rambling type of narrative that at times I wish had been a little bit more structured to keep the story focused for me, if that makes sense. And there's a ton of stuff going on in Ireland at this point, right? I mean, it's not like they have to search hard to find a compelling story. They're all over the place. Well, I think probably the most compelling story is is the daughter who didn't know she was his daughter. Yeah. I'm not going to knock them for like what story they chose out of a whole, you know, panoply of potential things to talk about. I mean, if you wanted to like go in and do a quote unquote true crime podcast, what ways could you do it? The Irish serial killer or would you watch well, actually what I think they did do that. Uh, the whole guy throwing people on the train. But I, I just because the stakes may seem low to me doesn't mean that it's not an interesting story or one worth exploring. Mm. Um, and I do think that this whole idea, I mean, because it is a live investigation that things do keep coming in. And like, that's what the whole episode six was, is they sort of explore, you know, like the new things that they're discovering, like all the new podcasts you can discover at Patreon. Wow. What a the, transition to the business section, Kevin. Patreon.com slash partners in crime media, get exclusive stuff like the crime writers on after show. You can get Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast, in which Laura, the last episode, explores the diaper spa. Mm. Uh, Laura, I heard the uh, update that the town rejected the license for the diaper spa. So adults who want to wear diapers all weekend at a B&B can no, have to go somewhere else. No, somebody's house in an HOA neighborhood. And one of our listeners in our yes. Facebook group lives a couple doors down from the house where the diaper spa was trying to be opened. That was an incredible coincidence. I know. I had so many questions for her. It was incredible. I Yeah. So so there was an update. Yes. And their meeting where they turned it down happened on Valentine's Day of all days. I mean, 
how poetic. We have Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. We also have our advice show, Married with Podcast. So good. Rebecca and I uh, answered a question from a listener who can't have an O. An O. And so Rebecca had some oh. ideas about that. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm going to listen to that episode. No, yeah. I don't know. Oh, I'm just curious what Rebecca told her. Hmm. Yes. Says so got to listen to more of Toby Ball's deep dive and get that engine running. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we also have uh, in Partners in Crime World the latest episode of These Are Their Stories, the Law and Order podcast. This is the episode in which Amaro gets really upset and he beats up the guy taking pictures at the of uh, the kids at the playground. Oh, is that Amaro's last episode? No, no, it's not Amaro's lap. Oh. No, there's like all sorts of things that have to happen to Amaro after that. Oh, you know? that's right. He shoots somebody, blah, 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 gets shot, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I hate Amaro. Uh, <laughs> I do. I hate him. Uh, we have an Amazon storefront where you can see some of our favorite things. Rebecca, what are this week's CWO Amazon recommendations? I would say I get a solo stove Yukon outdoor fireplace. And Toby, what are your listener-inspired deep-cut recommendations? Yeah, there are a couple that really appealed to me. Uh, the first one's the Good Hair Days Hairpins, Plastic U-Shaped Magic Grip Hairpins. Strong, durable pins for fine, thick, and long hair. Hairstyling accessories, set of 20. Mm. Uh, and if that's not enough for you, you might want to try the... Uh, Safe Thaw Concrete Safe 100% Salt-Free Pet Safe Snow and Ice Melter Industrial Strength Chloride-Free And Traction Agent Use on Asphalt Roofs And On mm. Good products yeah. Good products Yeah that's deep. Uh, shop us first at Amazon.com slash shop slash Crime Writers On. We are in commissions on qualified purchases. All right, Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Stacy Cash Ware and Kristen Langford Harris. Bless you. Stacy Kristen, thanks for listening to our program. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you for being saints. I really appreciate everybody who supports us on Patreon. It really helps us do our work. We couldn't do what we do without you. And for those of you who are considering it, maybe on the fence, I'd really recommend trying it out. People who are there say it's one of the best value Patreons they belong to. They love the content and they love us and we love them even more. So how about you consider it? Join us on Patreon. For everybody else who's not considering it, thanks for listening to the stupid business section anyway. We appreciate all of you. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Do you ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.
So Kevin, in this podcast, they're saying they're collecting real-time tips, mm-hmm. which yeah. is a real-time investigation. But all we've gotten from real-time stuff is just people who knew them. Like, we're not getting anything like, it's all like, hey, I have a story about something that happened, and I or I, well, I rode horses there. I think the best story we've heard, the only good story we've heard is, it's a secondhand story, so who even knows if it's true. The guy who says the cop told him that Michael O'Shea was going to murder him in, like, the hinterlands or whatever, which we don't even know if that's true. It could have been a bullshit story. But, like, we're not getting tips. We're just getting, like, well, reminiscences. I, I, I'm going to push back slightly on that, because if you remember from episode six, one of the things that the journalist picked up on was that somebody said that they knew that Joe and his wife traveled to Canada, which was something that the FBI was unaware of and that immediately the FBI agent attached to this that said to him, he said, what does that say to you? He says it's to him that Joe already had another identity that they could use. And when you're questioning like, well, how did he get away the second time from, like how did he slip out of Ireland and vanish forever? Well, there you go. He had planned for this. We knew that he like stockpiled money, but he also had had identities not just for himself, but for his wife. So that was new. But I also think like the stories that come up, I mean, they are interesting, you know, and that one where, yeah, it looks like that he suspected the cops were onto him and he appeared to be planning a, a way to take a cop out. I, I thought that was a really interesting story. So very few of these podcasts were like, we're going to go week to week. And if you have any stuff like any of that ever moves the needle. Mm. Right. And I think it's very unlikely that, you know, when we get to the end of episode eight, that they will have found 88-year-old Joe Maloney living as Niles McKinley in (laughs) Moose Knuckle, Canada. Yeah. Uh, Mm. But, I mean, I think that, you know, we can say that this was... This was really interesting to find these things coming because all the, I mean, I'm sure they got a lot of tips and stuff that were fairly innocuous and didn't really do anything. But I, I did like the way that this is, seems to be one of the few podcasts where that real time information is shaping the storytelling. Right. So, Laura, aren't you curious about the wife? Not the victim wife, the the wife, mm. the newer wife. There's been nothing. Sheila was her name. Yeah, there's been nothing about her. It's all it's all about him. Yeah. And I'm just really curious about, you know, obviously she's complicit with his identity stuff because the minute he's arrested, she's on his side. But clearly she was unfazed by the fact that he was faking his identity and clearly she ran away with him. So mm-hmm. she's in on it, right? She's like Whitey Bulger's uh, yes. partner's yeah, lady Catherine. friend. What was, what was her name? Catherine. Uh, yeah, that one. Yes. Yeah. But aren't you curious? There's like, been nothing about the wife. No, there's not. And I actually went to look, I like went back and I read like they have like a complimentary sort of online arm of this where they have article recaps that they do of the podcast each week where they have a columnist who kind of does a recap. And I like all I found is like he met her, you know, around the time that he was working in the film industry. She was from Dublin. They married swiftly. Purchased the country estate. Yeah, I'm she like, lived next door. The girl next door, literally. I'm like, so like, what else? I, I Yeah, because I'm curious. I feel like that would be an angle if you were actually trying to find him is find her relatives to see if she's had contact with any of her relatives since no they shit. been on the lamb. Yeah. Because then you might have a better chance because it's like when someone goes in like witness protection, right? And they're out there and they're like, we're not contacting anybody. Somebody always cracks and contacts a family member. So who is he most likely to be with? Sheila Chandler. 
So that would be where I would focus my efforts. Yeah, because she gave up her whole life to follow him around. So she's probably reached out to some. I mean, that would be. I don't understand that either. That was that was a big question that I had. Meanwhile, things that seem like less important, like sort of get a lot of attention in the podcast. Right, Toby? Yeah. It's like big parties they have and people going and riding their horses, which accompanied with a neigh. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, can you can you talk about the soundscape, Toby? Because you have you have an interesting note about that as well. Well, there's Foley, but it's almost like it's obligatory. It's like, you know, and she he had horses and then there's a neigh or like (laughs) You know, he has a car. Vroom, vroom. Michael used to travel the locality on horseback and give the impression of a skilled horseman before the horse would run off at him. It feels like they had some kind of algorithm where, like, if certain words popped up, they'd have to make a little noise afterwards. It did lead me to wonder, like, do the producers of these podcasts, like, listen to podcasts that don't have a lot of Foley and they'll hear, like... You know, he went in the door, and if you don't hear the door creaking, they're like, oh, that was a missed opportunity. <laughs> oh, they totally fucked that up by not putting in a door squeak. <laughs> they said, cow, where's the moo? <laughs> yeah, where's the moo? I don't hear any moos or a little cowbell ringing. Yeah, I don't want to belabor the point. I just didn't find the story super compelling. I mean, stuff happens, but at the end of the day, how interesting is that stuff? I mean, it's, yeah, he became like a guns and explosives guy on a bunch of Irish movies. But you you don't really go into it a whole lot other than to hear that he kind of did it. And because it's unusual to have guns unless you were intending to actually use them to harm people in Ireland at the time, they would have a lot of agents on the scene of these movies, like watching him, just making sure that everything was above board. It's like a lot of people giving their impressions of who he was without really having much insight into him as a person. Like, what is he trying to accomplish? You know, whatever. It's just like, oh yeah, he was, he was gregarious. He was the kind of guy who would do this or that or the other thing. He wore jeans. He wore jeans. He was tall. He was six foot three and a ginger. Uh, He wasn't classically good looking, but he had a magnetism. One of my favorite details, it's so funny to me, was when they, this is not a knock on the producers because this kind of shit, I would do it completely if I lived in Ireland and I was making a podcast. But at one point, they recreate an FBI report and they say he weighed a certain amount of stone, but they do it in an American accent. (laughs) Six foot two to six foot three in height, just over 12 stone in weight. Slender build, red hair, blue eyes, light complexion. And then later when they say he weighed 170 pounds and they were like, or 12 stone. And I was like, oh man, they need to go back and I'm doing the math. I'm doing the math. I'm like, Okay, so that would be 14. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, again, I, like, it's not like this, this podcast sucks. The reporting is good and the hosting is good and the writing is good. But it's just like in the end, it's just like, does the story merit this amount of work and this quality of, of product? It, it, just, it just feels a little slight. Yeah. There is one, Laura, as you mentioned, compelling character, which is the, first of all, I have questions about the two kids of the wife he allegedly murdered, right? Yeah. They were adopted out instead of being taken in by one of the other immediate family members. Like, we heard that she had parents. We heard that he had a brother. Like, why were they adopted out? That's a question that I had. But anyway, I guess that's just New York, how New York handled it. So I guess they're missing. I don't know if they're around. Who knows? But there was the first daughter, and we meet her, and her story is so sad. I used to daydream that my dad would come back. I mean... I'm sorry. 
I'm 66 years old almost, and I'm still wanting to see my dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> that could have been like an angle through which to tell this story that probably would have been a little bit, maybe a little more emotionally connective. I don't know. What, what did you think about her story? Yeah, I think if it had been like maybe her quest to find her father and that is the window that we get into his story because I think that was like, was that like episode five when Mm -hmm. we heard her story? And I was like, Ancestry.com. So she grows up with this like horribly abusive stepfather and then she's in the hospital. Here's like a different last name when they're ta- someone's talking about her, ask her mother. Her mother's like, yes, your real father is Joseph Maloney or whatever. And so now because she's been in this like horrible, abusive childhood, now she's daydreaming about her real father who's going to be like, you know, in her mind, the fantasy father who is what she has never had. But honestly, he's not much better. And, you know, she runs away We hear her going through efforts to call all of the people in the phone book with the same last name. Her mother, like showing her newspaper clippings, trying to be like, you know, look, your real dad is not good. He killed his first wife, but she's still. So what would be interesting, okay, again, I'm going to tell you how they should have investigated it, is if she uploads her DNA into like a database and finds her siblings, the children from the first marriage, that way. Hmm. So, Kevin, isn't it sad that she's 66 and she's still looking for her dad? That broke my heart when she said that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just the lifelong desire to know yourself and in that way, know who your father was. You can understand why she would daydream and long for a father, even though she knows that he's wanted for murder, because in a way, still, it's better than the life that she's living. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, the idea like she finally connected with her uncle and that they remain close. I mean, I think was kind of satisfying, but yeah, all over, I found that to be really sad. Yeah. What kind of measure of justice do you think an 88 year old man who's probably, there's a good chance he's no longer alive. Yeah. We don't know. What kind of, I mean, we hear from this district attorney, the entire show who's still like working this case ostensibly, like we're thinking about this case and you know, it's still an open case. I mean, what kind of resources do you think should be being put into this investigation? Well, I mean, I think we can tell that there are very few resources and, you know, probably if not for RTE asking questions that nobody would be dusting off any of these files or, or talking about it or thinking about this guy at all. There's a good chance that he's probably dead. But I think just because it happened a long time ago and it was a cold case and that if you were to capture him and extradite him to the U.S. again, uh, assuming he's overseas, that it's not worth doing because of his age. I mean, two people lost their mother by his hand. We still say that justice should be done no matter how long it takes. There's no statute of limitations on murder. So I think Providing an answer to the question of what happened to him, I think, is important to the institutions in the U.S. and Ireland, but also to that family. So just by the fact that it doesn't mean like, oh, well, he got away this long. Why should we even bother? I mean, it's just that the trail is so cold uh, that it's nearly impossible, I think, to solve this unless he heard the podcast and steps forward. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Do you ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Okay, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know. Should they check out the podcast? Runaway Joe. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Runaway Joe? I am inclined to go thumbs sideways, but I'm going to go thumbs mildly up because the thing is, this is an exhaustive project. They have found people from not just a few decades, but people from like over half a century ago to talk about this guy. And that's a lot of legwork. And that's a lot of, you know, shoe leather journalism reporting to find the people. My mild, uh, you know, like why I'm kind of wavering is that I just don't know if the payoff for all of that is going to be a conclusion that is going to be satisfying or if we're just along for the journey of reexamining this old case. So I think, you know, the reporting is really interesting for me. I think my criticism of it is that because it was told sort of in a week to week format, sort of as an ongoing live story, narratively, it wasn't structured in a way that had me like waiting as much for what was going to happen next, because it was just sort of an ongoing investigation. Um, and, and that was for me something that I struggled with. So mild thumbs up. Tell you about what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for runaway Joe? I guess I'm a thumb sideways. I just don't know if there's enough story to carry this, but the reporting's good. I like the host. The writing's good. Like everything is good about this, pot, including the horse noises. Um, <laughs> Nay. <laughs> you know, again, I, I, it just feels like the, the story's a little slight to carry an eight-part podcast. And I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of faith that it's going to conclude in a super satisfying way. So anyway, thumb sideways. Kevin Flynn. I'm going thumbs up. I well, I got to say, first of all, between Ireland and Rochester, I mean, there is a cornucopia of accents in this one. Uh, fantastic. Listen, I, I agree that, you know, the stakes might seem kind of low because this is such a cold case, but I found the way that it's told to be very interesting. I'm totally in with the storytelling about the life of uh, Joe Maloney on the run as uh, Mick O'Shea. I mean, we always say that endings are important you know we don't think that maybe the uh, law enforcement case will be wrapped up by episode eight but if they can meet the challenge of ending this narrative in a satisfying way i think it'd be you know a real success i suggest people listen to it thumbs up 
I have never been a harder thumb sideways in the entire 10 years we've made this podcast because uh, like you be a hard I'm a hard thumb, thumb sideways. sideways because this is a great example of a competent team like just making a podcast I didn't like right I liked uh-huh. all the I like the sound I like the I like the hosts the writing is fine the writing is good like you know, aesthetically fine, but like, I really didn't like the podcast. So I'm hard sideways, right? Doesn't that count? That's like a very strong, I'm a strong thumb sideways. Mm -hmm. So I'll say this. Yes, somebody was murdered and I'm not saying that that's not important and I don't want to sound callous in that way, but I agree with the lack of timeliness, the lack of significance. If you're going to do a story that is old or low stakes or unlikely to be solved, the story has to reflect some bigger theme that brings you in for some other reason. And this does not do that. This is not about a larger criminal justice issue. It's not about a larger societal issue. It doesn't tell you anything about any kind of like international conflict. I'm not learning anything other than this is what happened, right? So that is like problematic in terms of like why this story shouldn't have been selected for this. Um, and, you know, I'm just not interested in this story like in any way. And like the one element of it that I was interested in was buried in episode five and, you know, was the only thing I connected with emotionally. Or maybe I was a little bit interested in the instructions for how to murder somebody. That wasn't that bad. (laughs) Um, But anyway, yeah, I just, I really didn't connect with it in any way, but I can't give it a thumbs down because, you know, it's very, very competent and it sounds really good. And I really want to hear the next thing that these people make. So yeah, I'm a very hard thumb sideways in this podcast. And the next time I'm in Ireland, I'll take this whole group to the Hey Penny Bridge Inn. We'll go upstairs, drink a couple glasses of Orchard Thieves, and we'll talk about Rebecca's hard thumb sideways. My hard thumb sideways? Yeah. That's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you have a journalistically sound cat of the week this week? I do. And it is not a dead cat. It is not a cat that's dying. It is not a cat that has lost its cat friends. It's a dead dog. It's a, yeah, it's a dead (sighs) parakeet. No, I'm just kidding. Um, This is a super fun one. This came my way via our friend, Minister Heidi. And Minister Heidi sent me a message the other day, a text message. Colleagues of hers heard a strange sound in the hamster cage and turned to find this. And there was like a commotion. Inside the hamster cage, the hamsters look like they're trying to escape. Sitting there like they own the place, Ben the cat had made himself at home in the hamster cage. Were the hamsters Um, still in the cage? The hamsters are in there. The cat, go look at the picture. It's in the Cat of the Week channel on Slack. So Ben is a very cute gray and white cat. Ben's just sitting there like, yo, I'm in the hamster cage. And the hamsters are like, what the fuck is going on in our cage? This discovery was made by Amy, they, them, and Zach, he, him, um, who work with Minister Heidi. And I am just obsessed with the expression on the cat's face in this photo because the cat's just sitting there like, look at me in the hamster cage. So Ben... You're definitely living your best cat life. Incredible. All right, Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you online and say hello and pitch you their very joyful and very much alive, fun animals to be Cat of the Week, how can they find you there? They can find me at Laura Bricker on Twitter and Instagram. What about you, Toby Ball? How can you be found? They can find me at Toby Ball on H. What about you, Kevin Flynn? How can you be found? 
I can be found in all the Slack channels at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to find me just about everywhere, well, you know, mostly Twitter and Instagram, though, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can follow the show everywhere, Crime Writers On, even on YouTube. And I encourage you strenuously to join our incredible official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Find us on Facebook, find the pinned post, and join the group. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll also get the Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the terrific Livy Burdett. Executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement where we also lend our expensive medieval sword collection for use in Pierce Brosnan films. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Can I tell you what I just learned? What? I apparently am cut out of the Cat of the Week's Slack channel. <gasps> wow! Oh, All right. oh I, my God! That is a crime of the week, Can, uh, uh, Toby. Yeah, you don't want. I guess you guys don't want me to to know that stuff. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.